in three, two, one. If you're looking to discover better ways of using LinkedIn as a business tool that can amplify your presence, your network, your reputation, and opportunities, you'll enjoy my conversation with author, speaker, and LinkedIn expert, Teddy Burris. In our conversation, Teddy shares some tips, tricks, and best practices to help you get discovered and learn new ways to generate the best leads, find your next great job, and connect with industry influencers. Join me now for my conversation with Teddy Burris. Well, hi, Teddy. Welcome to the podcast. We're really delighted to have you. Michael, thanks for having me, man. It's a great day to have a great conversation. It is a great day. Whereabouts are you? Where are we talking to you from? Winston-Salem, North by God, Carolina. Oh, very, very nice. A pretty part of the country. Now, how long have you been in Winston? I moved down here February 14th of 1997. So what's that put me at? 25 years? Oh, must be good then. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. And we're really excited about the topic of Sales Navigator and LinkedIn and how to make these work for us in our businesses and how do we become preferred using these tools. Now, as a popular LinkedIn and Sales Navigator strategist, trainer, and coach, you've been training and coaching business professionals, sales teams, organizations who want to create real business value by using LinkedIn and Sales Navigator. What was the journey that led you to provide this level of expertise or identify that, hey, there was a need? here figure out who the heck am i and what i should be doing yeah when you grow up particularly yeah so in november of 2005 i took my very first real sales job before that i spent 35 years in the it industry and so i took this sales job and the owner of this company hired me and i asked him this question michael i have no idea how i got this smart but i asked him (laughs) this question i said tell me the one thing that if i do enough of it and i do it right i'll be successful as a salesperson Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, real, I don't have any clue where I got that idea to ask the question. Yeah. He told me, I want you to cold call as many people as you can every day. Oh, now, mind yeah. you, I'm, I was 49 years old. Oh. I had no desire to be a cold calling hog. Yeah, no kidding. It was not what I was interested in. No. But I'd already quit my corporate gig, turned in my American Express, turned in the key to where the King Air was, and turned in my brand new Grand Cherokee Jeep to take this sales job. And so I looked him right straight in the eye, Michael, with as much tenacity as I could. And I said, yes, sir. Oh, wait, you started doing it. So you started cold calling. Well, I did, but I knew it's not what I wanted to do. Right. I mean, I didn't want to quit the job. I was half tempted to quit the job, but I right. said, no, I'm going to make this work. So I started cold calling like he wanted me to, and I knew it wasn't going to work for me. Right. But Michael, I kept saying to myself, if I'm not going to cold call, I need to find another way to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I started networking like a wild man, going out and meeting people on a regular basis. But I also started playing around about that time, 2005, with Facebook and Twitter and blogging and LinkedIn. It's been around that long. Oh, man. 2003 is when LinkedIn showed up. So my first attempt at LinkedIn, I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. I actually closed down my account. And I opened one back up about a year later, late 2006, 2007. And then here's what I discovered. Most of the people that I wanted to talk to, many of them were on LinkedIn. They weren't doing anything, but I found them. And I also found people that I know that knew them. And so I started experimenting with LinkedIn, experimenting with blogging, experimenting with content, 
and more networking and more and more and more networking. And I'm like, this LinkedIn stuff's got potential. About 2009, that's when I started thinking about, okay, I took this sales job so I can learn to be a better salesperson. I've had the practice I want to have with this guy. That's when I started planning for late 2010, when I quit that job. And basically, it was a few iterations to get there over the next six months or so when I decided I'm going to start teaching people how to use LinkedIn as a business tool. Well, it definitely is an interesting business tool. And I'm like you, I've been on it for years, but I really haven't used it to its potential. And that's how I found you. And you know, I came across one of your courses and it just opened my eyes and I went, wow, I could see the power of it. And you demonstrate the power of it wonderfully in your programs. Thank you. And I thought, man, I got to use it. This has got to be something to be used. And so for the last year, we've been employing many of your strategies that you've developed and with great success. So there's really no more trying to make a phone call and cold call. And we want to get into some of those strategies strategies and what people can do to use it to apply to their business. That's an excellent approach to it. So question I have for you on this though is who should be using LinkedIn as a business tool? You mentioned it's a good business tool. Who should be using it and why should they be using it? Well, there's different answers for different people. Right. I'll give you some examples. If your job is business development in a business specifically or primarily in a business business space. Mm-hmm where 804, 805 million people are on and you're not on LinkedIn, you're missing an opportunity. Right. Again, business to business, business development person. If you are an account manager and you're responsible for managing 10, 15, 20, whatever business accounts, and you're not on LinkedIn paying attention to those companies and paying attention to those individuals in those companies, you're missing some opportunity. If you're a route salesperson and you're working a route and you drive by Hefele and you're not on LinkedIn so you can look up that company and look up who the people are in that company, you're missing out on opportunities. Example, Riding down the road one day, I saw a manufacturing plant for a niche manufacturing product. I looked them up on LinkedIn and I found the president of the company and I found the receptionist's name and I found where she used to work and where she went to school. Her name's Linda. And I walked in there and I said, you must be Linda. And she said, yeah. And interesting enough, there was no name tag. Yeah, I'm Linda. And I said, Linda, I just discovered that you went to, I can't remember the name of the school and you used to work at, I can't remember the name of the place. She goes, how did you find that out? I said, Linda, I, I looked you up on the internet. And she giggled a little bit. I giggled a little bit. And then I told her, I said, Linda, this is what I'm after. I like a quick hello with the president of the company. She says, Teddy, I can't do that for you. But if you give me your business card, I'll give it to him and let him know that you were very pleasant when you stopped by to say hello. Well, nice now, reference point. Yeah, It did not turn into business. But I did have a conversation with the business owner. And that's the key, isn't it? It's to lead, yeah. use the engagement to lead to a conversation. And where yeah. that gives you an opportunity to deliver your value there. And instead of pitching them right out of the gate, does it matter the type of product or service that's being offered? You mentioned a number of different types of organizations, but does it matter what the widget is, what the service is, or the price of those services or products? Not really. Give, give you another example. There's a lady on LinkedIn. I haven't seen her in a while, and I, I would expect that to be the case because I don't follow her or her product. But she was on LinkedIn telling stories, sharing pictures of really expensive, wait for it, Michael, bikinis. <laughs> and I read right. this woman's bio and she is serious about women enjoying right. their swimming apparel. Sure. She was serious about people buying high, good quality swimming bikinis. Right. And yes, I guess if you're going to look at bikinis, 
you're going to be looking at scantily clad women. And she would comment, she would post stuff and people would comment stupid stuff. And she goes, you're missing the point of my post. It's about women truly enjoying who they are and what they do and the attire they wear with the swimming. Now that's an extreme different than how you and I would use LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm not going to post myself in a bikini or a bathing suit. That's for sure. I don't think anybody wants that of you and me. No. But my point was that's a product that you would not think would be appropriate on LinkedIn. Give you another product, Startup Church. I coached a lady, a minister on how to start up her church on social media. And I helped her figure out YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And she loves it. And so those are just, I'm not saying they're significantly different, right. but they are. And then there's lots of other types of products where here's the answer to that question, the methodical answer. If your target audience is on LinkedIn, then you should be on LinkedIn regardless of what your product is, how you share, how you engage, the type of content that you produce and share sure. will vary based on that product. But if your target audience is there, then you should be on there and look for ways to above my head. Yep start a conversation. Well, that's the insight gold right there is your audience has to be there. So it's going after your avatar, your audience, the people who buy from you. And even if it's around awareness versus selling a particular product, we've used your strategies to engage in conversations where we don't even bring up the service or the product until we've asked a question, which might be six or seven messages deep or longer into the yeah. process where we'll ask them about challenges. And then we only talk about our solutions to the problem when we identify the problem or they vocalize it. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions featuring Active Campaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? Active Campaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. Active Campaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose Active Campaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the Active Campaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Teddy Burris. Is there businesses, and it leads into this next question, where it really doesn't work well? So based on what you said, it's probably if your audience isn't on there, then it's really just a tool to put yourself out there for their network, might be a job recruiting opportunity or put your resume online. Yeah, I often say the primary space that benefits the most is the business to business, B2B. Now, there are a lot of B2C people on LinkedIn as well, but Mm -hmm. they don't know how to use it well enough. They're struggling with it. So I don't discount B2C, our business to consumer, our businesses using LinkedIn. I think they can get value as well. Look, the dude who has to buy a tuxedo is on LinkedIn. The dude who has to buy a new car is on LinkedIn. The dude who, or the lady who needs to buy new furniture is on LinkedIn. And she discovers you there in some meaningful way, it can be beneficial. Here's where there might be the three areas that I don't serve. I purposely do not look for these three areas in the context of consulting on the use of business or LinkedIn as a business tool. Number one, government. (laughs) All right. But, But don't misunderstand me. Maybe there's a place for government on LinkedIn. It's just I haven't played in that space and I haven't seen any value for that to happen yet. Second, education. 
I don't think high schools or middle schools or even preschools can, for the most part, benefit on LinkedIn. Colleges and universities get value out of it because their audience is at 16 plus to 18 plus. And the other space that I haven't seen a whole lot of activity with, and I think could be difficult to create success, would be politics. Because we're such a polarized world that if you're out there pitching your campaign or your agenda politically on LinkedIn, just like Facebook and Twitter, you're going to run into the same kind of problems. Yeah, it's kind of a safe zone. Well, that's interesting where not to make it work. Now you talk about in teaching your programs that there's three areas that individuals, businesses need to focus on. Number one was how to build a profile. So I want to chat about that and what are the must do's there and where maybe they go wrong how to organically build the network. So organic is the key word here. And then number three is how to engage with that network. So let's unpack the first one first. Let's talk about profiles. What are the things people absolutely must have in their profile? And maybe talk about some of the highlights and what are the must avoids? So let's talk about the avoidance to begin with. First of all, there's one word that comes to mind in this context, and that's the word relevance. Mm -hmm. Anything you put on your LinkedIn profile needs to be relevant or shows professional growth to who you are and what you're all about today. Here's the analogy, Michael. When was the last time you walked in to look at the brand new Maserati, the new model 300 XYZ? Yeah, haven't. (laughs) Neither have I, but I have looked at the brochures for the Ford F-150 and Tesla and even the new all-electric Kia, which looks like a pretty sweet Mm -hmm. little car. Mm -hmm. The brochure written for Ford F-150 is written clearly to the target audience who will buy a Ford F-150. Right. It's not written for the dude who wants to buy the new Maserati, the different product. And the same thing for the new electric Kia or the Tesla. I doubt the Tesla says anything about cup holders. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I doubt it. And by the way, I'm pretty sure the Ford F-150 doesn't even mention cup holders today. Right. But it does mention hauling stuff and the power of hauling. The brochures for those products are written clearly, relevantly to their target audience, speaking Mm -hmm. about that product and how it pertains to that target audience. Well, you take that same philosophy and you apply it to LinkedIn. You build your profile, speaking clearly to the best of your ability to your target audience, which means you better know who they are, and you tell them who you are, what you do, what you can do, what you have done. And listen to these words, Michael, what you enjoy doing relevant to them. Yeah, that makes sense. What's in it for them? And the part that I was getting to, what you don't talk about is whatever's not relevant. Right. A lot of times I get people saying to me, well, I want them to know all the things I've done the past. Why is that important? Yeah. But they care about what you can do for them. And everybody's looking at it from that angle. Are you a value to me? Are you a resource to me? Are you someone I can count on if I need you? Can you help me with a problem? So yeah. No, good advice. So when it comes to the profile, you're talking about relevance is the key to your audience. And there's examples in your training on what could be in your profile, what should be in the profile and how it should be addressed. I know you do provide a lot of those resources in your training programs. Let's talk about how to organically build your network. What do you mean by that organically build? Oh, so here's satire. Sit on your phone with a big old list of people and hit invite, 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 invite. Yeah, no, that's that's satire. 
Yes. Uh, by the way, I did that. I remember in a previous life, when I first got started, I was sent out invites with reckless abandon every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and anybody who right. I thought was re relevant to me in the slightest way. And that was such a ridiculous activity. I mean, by building the right LinkedIn network is to find the people who are highly relevant to you. And first of all, if they don't know you, don't send them an invite, bump into their content or find someone to introduce you to them. If you are my target audience, Michael, and I want to do work for you, I want to get a contract with you to do work. I'm not cold calling you. I'm not sending you a naked LinkedIn invite. If I truly want to get business out of that activity of connecting with someone, right? I'm going to get an introduction. So now, you have to start that relationship with someone. How do you determine who you're going to get that introduction from? Well, so one of the things I tell people to do is that if they're brand new at building LinkedIn, the first people you want to connect with are people who already know you. Right. Because in many cases, you don't know who they know that you need to know. Right. Until you connect with them and see who they're connected to. So you can go find who they're connected to and you might be one or two degrees of separation away and then you can make the approach to that particular individual. Yeah. Ask the person to introduce you to the person that they know that you would like to connect with. How do you yeah. preface that? So let's say that I was the person that I know somebody you want to get to meet. And I may be connected with somebody, a president of a major corporation. From speaking, you want to get into that corporation. How would you approach me as that influencer or referral source? I'm going to role play this. Yeah. Perfect. Here you are right here. Go look at your network. Now, I typically don't harvest connections through people's content. But let's say I want to meet Susan. So I'm going to do this. If I haven't talked with you in a while, Michael, I'm going to do this. I'm going to call you on the phone because I really want to connect with Susan. I'm going to call you on the phone, dude, how you doing? It's right. weather like out there. Right. And then I'm going to go, Michael, I need your help. Good. Michael, I need your help. And I'm going to ask two questions. Do you know Susan? Well, second question is, you know what I do. Do you think Susan is the right person for me to connect with in context to her business? Then I'm going to ask for the help. Michael, would you do me a favor? Would you send Susan an email? By the way, I'll send you the email that you can use and you can edit it however you want. Will you send Susan an email, copy me on it and introduce me to her so I can connect with her on LinkedIn and possibly have a conversation with her. That's brilliant. Well, those are great questions, Teddy. So you reach out to them on the telephone, see if there's common ground a little bit, see if there's a little background, how well they know them, and then ask them to introduce you via, not through LinkedIn, but through an email or yeah. depending on the scope of what their relationship is. Yeah. Now, I don't necessarily call everyone. If you and I talked last week, I may send you an email. Right. That's a brilliant strategy. Thanks for sharing some of those details. So one at a time, you'll start to organically build that. Now, do you find the results pretty strong when you get an introduction from, say, I've introduced you and I reach out to Susan? Do they typically respond with you? Do they'll engage? Or do you, when do you jump on on LinkedIn and invite them in as a potential connection? So typically, if I get a, an introduction, it is a much better set of steps right. of email conversation, LinkedIn connection, and then an introduction to who they are and what I do and that intro yeah. part yep. How just you to it? discover. It doesn't always move to business when neither no. does cold calling. No, <laughs> but it is way better right. than the 8% that is yeah. touted in cold calling. Well, it seems like there's a lot of time investment to it. And people today want 
instant results. They want mass numbers. And one thing I have learned, it's all about the quality, not the quantity. And yeah. the time goes into the preparation and the actual engagement's really low compared to the preparation time. So speaking of preparation, how much time a day to be successful at this and to have it pay off, does someone need to commit to a Monday to Friday, say we give them weekends off, but you even talk about weekends being a good time to reach out as well, where a lot of things get run. But is there a, yeah. a schedule, a best time of a day, a time frame that an hour a day, two hours a day? What, what's your recommendations? So first of all, if I'm prospecting, I'm prospecting in two hour blocks of time because you cannot get your mojo going. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. In, in 30 minutes, you right. cannot get that flow going in a, a really and get clicking in an hour. Right. And so I, I say, I always say I do when I'm prospecting is two hour blocks of time. When I was heavy duty prospecting, which I'm not any longer. Right. But when I was heavy duty prospecting, I would prospect two days a week, usually Tuesdays and Thursdays. In two hour and, chunks. Uh, yeah. And again, my prospecting wasn't cold calling. My prospecting wasn't cold invites. A lot of my prospecting was finding the right person, introduce me to that person or finding content to engage on and bump into that person. And so in that context of prospecting, very purposeful hunks of time to get the greatest rewards from it. But there's lots of other things you need to be doing on LinkedIn. And we'll talk about the third piece here in a minute. You don't need to schedule that. And the one guy told me, he said to me just this morning, he says, I hate content calendars. Well, I hate content calendars too. Right. I'd much rather be a real human, bump into something of some meaningful value, and then engage on that and or share that or whatever at right. that moment. Mm -hmm. But all in a big picture, the real answer to your question is, it's not how long are you staring at the LinkedIn screen? It's how often are you using LinkedIn in your other business processes? That's interesting. So for instance, I schedule time for prospecting if we're working on different companies based on your advice, but then I'm spending a good hour every afternoon going through and actually asking questions and messaging and back and forth, having conversations or engaged mm -hmm. in chats. So explain a little more on that. Give you an example. When I get an email from somebody, if I don't recognize the name, the very first thing I do is go look at LinkedIn, see if they're on LinkedIn, right. find the company, see who the company is. If I get an email and, and then if they're relevant to me and the conversation is worth having, I may send them a LinkedIn invite. Hey, Steve, appreciate the message you got. You sent to me. I hope our conversation turns out to be productive, whatever the right word. Sure. Okay. If someone sends me an email and they copy two other people and I know the first person, but I don't know these other two people. I go to LinkedIn. I look for the other two people. If that person that sent me the email is relevant to me, then the two people he copied are relevant to me as well. And as long as it's all relevant and in the right way, I'll send them an email. Hey, or an invite. Hey, Bill, I appreciate Jeff introducing us via that email. Please join me on LinkedIn, whatever the words are. So again, when I get email messages, I look for opportunities to connect with the people through email. Here's the other one. If I'm listening to a podcast right. and there's a guest on there who's really pretty freaking cool, I may look for them on LinkedIn and send them an invite. Michael, heard your podcast the other day, love what you shared, thought I'd reach out and say hello and invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn. Period. Yeah, excellent. So very personalized, very tailored. That seems to be the underlying theme here. And take that time to, instead of going for mass numbers and throw something against the wall and hope something sticks, you're actually going right after them and using a very targeted approach and very specific and using individuals as influencers or introducers or referral partners. That's a powerful, powerful it part is. of LinkedIn 
is not just to build your LinkedIn network all around your target audience, but build it also heavily weighted with influencers. That's interesting. Now within LinkedIn, there's its sister product, which most sales organizations use today or people use, but don't always do a good job. Sales Navigator. How do those two relate? When did Sales Navigator kind of come into the picture or how did that develop? And what are the pros and cons and who should be using it and how should we be using it? I can't remember when Sales Navigator came around. I, I want to say it was in 2000, some 10 or 12, 2010 Yeah, it's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. I know I subscribed to it in 2013. Wow. And who should be using it? Anybody who is serious about social listening and social prospecting should be using Sales Navigator. Well, we got so, two key parts. Well, let's explain it. What's social prospecting and what's social listening? Social prospecting is, well, first of all, you can prospect with LinkedIn. If you're not paying for LinkedIn, you're going to run into what's called the commercial use limit. You're not going to be able to see as many search results as you'd like to see. So you got to pay for something. Right. So you can pay for business, business premium. Actually, there's a new name for it. Or you can pay for Sales Navigator. Here's why you want to use Sales Navigator if you're serious about prospecting. LinkedIn has about 13 filters for people. Sales Navigator has 23. Just for people. Just for people called leads in Sales Navigator. LinkedIn now, as of 2021, has five filters for companies. Sales Navigator has 13 filters. So for fine tuning, creating lists and creating leads, Sales Navigator is a must. Much more powerful tools to search and then build your list, work your list, manage your list of leads and accounts. So that's the social prospecting part. And plus you can do the account mapping. You can easily find the alliances or the alignment between that prospect and the people you're connected with, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so officer, prospecting is much more powerful. So for prospecting, social prospecting is then looking at them, compiling lists, putting lists together of your key target influencers and as well as companies you'd like to have on board as clients. Yes. Social listening is highly relevant to social prospecting. LinkedIn, in your LinkedIn newsfeed, you will get whatever LinkedIn feels that they want to share with you. Typically, it's going to be your first level networks activity that you'll see. Typically, it'll be the companies that you follow. And the first level network, their activity, and the companies you follow. So it's all of that stuff. So if you have a huge LinkedIn network, you're going to have a hodgepodge of content that may not be significantly relevant to your prospecting. Mm -hmm. But in Sales Navigator, the only activity you see, it's called the alerts. It's not called newsfeed. What you see in your Sales Navigator newsfeed or alerts list is only the leads and the accounts that you saved. And so what you will save in Sales Navigator is only the companies and the leads that you want to pay attention to. So it's going to curate anything you've curated on your list, any posts that come up from those particular leads, you're going to see them. So then you have an opportunity to go like them, comment on them, or again, use them as a leverage point. That's a great insight. Yeah, that social listening is critical because you can hear what's going on and you can see what's going on with your prospects and your targets. And by the way, Michael, If you're a serious prospector, you better be using Sales Navigator. That sounds good. What about the engagement process? Because one mistake that we see routinely, and I know I've been guilty of making that mistake, is getting to the pitch way too soon. And so they maybe connect with us. Hey, happy to connect. Nice to connect with you. And right away, we're jumping into it. 
And that's not the right thing to do. And we learned through that experience and lots of hours spent. You maintain there's a better way. I believe there is. At least it's worked well for me and for many who I've talked to have adopted this philosophy. First of all, you get content all over LinkedIn. And there's a button that people, they, they bash their forehead into this button all the time. And that's the like button. The like button in LinkedIn is one of the least useful activities you can do. (laughs) Now, don't misunderstand me. I appreciate when people hit like and they let me know they saw my content, but all they did was let me know they saw my content. They didn't get into a conversation. Right. And I call it serial likers. So anybody who's listening to this, go look at your LinkedIn activity page, scroll down through your activity and look how many times that like button shows up or the love button or the insightful button or the curious button. Because all you're doing is banging in the like button and you're nothing more than a serial liker. And that doesn't build your brand. If you want to use engagement to build your brand, build what I refer to as trust, respect, and like, use your words and engage on content first and foremost, before you share content. People think it's a great way for me to barf out my white papers, my case studies, my brochures, why I'm the biggest dog in the field. And that's not what gets you the greatest value. No. So if there's a post that comes from a company that you're following or you've got on your saved lead list and it's a good post, what you're recommending is don't just like it, but go in and actually maybe comment on it or use it as a stepping stone to engage further in a conversation. So maybe respond and then ask a question in your comment section so that the poster responds to that and then begins that conversation. Maybe if it comes from a company, you got to know that the company is from marketing. Somebody in marketing typically shares that. Right. And if, if that person's your target audience, if marketing department is your target department, that's fine. Go in there and comment and say something meaningful, maybe ask a question. Right. Because then you're speaking, hopefully, to the human that's relevant to your goal. Right. But if marketing is not your target department, then I'm all about engaging on company content, but I will pull someone in that company that I know or that I'm targeting maybe into the conversation. Sure. Hey, I read this article for that your company produced, or I read this post your company produced and I was curious or however it goes. I just want to say kudos. I just want to say thanks. Maybe it's as simple as that. Yeah. Okay, good. Any other ways to start that conversation or engagement? So let's say we've got an individual now that we've identified we're maybe being introduced What are the things to avoid in our initial engagement and what should we be paying attention to? Well, let me tell you what you need to absolutely avoid. It's called the 90-10. You need to adopt the 90-10 rule so you don't fail here. 90-10 rule. More often than not, people show up on LinkedIn, company pages and individuals, and everything they share is all about them, all about their company, all about their employees. I love celebrating employees, but they don't celebrate employees in the context of the client. They celebrate employees in the context of their own company. It's a big missed opportunity there. I call it the 90-10 rule. 90% of what you share should not be about you or your business at all. Good rule. And if I walk up to you every day, Michael, and I hand you some really interesting story, a good joke, a good meme, a good piece of knowledge, an idea, a philosophy, you're going to be appreciative of me showing up because I'm always bringing some neat conversation to the table. Then you will be more accepting of that 10th time when I hand you something about my company. You'll be a little more open. Well, you've definitely warmed it up. 
Yeah. You make a good point on posts. Should people be posting content? So we know about the listening, but to stay relevant, what kind of content should we be posting and how regularly should we be posting? I get asked that question all the time. How often should I be putting something out there? What kind of things should I be putting out there if it's not just related to my core? And a lot of times people just don't understand. They don't want to read commercials about your company. That's spamming them. They want stuff that's going to make their life easier or remove some of their stress, right? Yeah, what kind of things should we be putting out there? Well, there's also a, a lot of people have this philosophy that LinkedIn is purely business. I don't necessarily agree with it being purely business. I think you should be willing to peel back the layers of you as a human every now and then. I, I appreciate hearing the stories from my clients, my target audience about stuff that's going on in their community and their family. You don't do a TMI. You don't peel back too many layers. Right, right. But nothing wrong with showing that you're a real human every now and then on, on in, in LinkedIn. Like, man, that guy, that, he's a stand-up dude. I like to see what he's doing. People want to know who you are as a human, but you don't do that every day. You do that when it's meaningful. You want to season yeah. your content. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing is Andy Foote and I, Andy Foote was talking about, and I was engaging, engaging with him on this conversation. He subscribes to the philosophy that I subscribe with, which is content calendars suck. Because content calendars, all that does, it means that every Wednesday at two o'clock, I got to post this. Every Thursday at one o'clock, I got to post this. And that's not how real humans engage. What you should be willing to do is develop a philosophy that says, when I find a useful piece of content, or an interesting idea that I need to share that content or write a simple post about that idea when I can. And so if you're only posting something once a week, that's fine. If you're only engaging on content once or twice a week, that's fine. You're staying at least that much relevant. Now, if you show up every day at 10 o'clock, with a post that is not meaningful, interesting, relevant, or useful to your target audience, they're going to quickly tire yeah. of you. Do that. When does the opportunity to leverage or transition from, okay, here's content, we're connected to, we've identified a problem, and here's how we can help you with that problem. Is there a transition thing? You're really great with your words. Is there a way to go from, hey, I've got an idea I want to run by you, or how do you do it? How do you move from, okay, I'm engaged, I'm talking, but now I want to get down to some business with you. So if you are only focused on five companies, my idea will fail. You've got to be building a LinkedIn network on every day, making a new connection, every day, making a new, highly relevant connection so that you can subscribe to the philosophies that I have. And number one is you should always be asking for an introduction. Again, if Susan is someone I really want to talk with, right. I need to ask for an introduction. Right. And 10 more people like her every week. Whatever the number is, it gets you to where you right. want to get to. Right. You got to back into this number. The other thing too is, so as I'm connecting with people, I'm with you. I won't start the conversation with, hey, I got the best widget ever. Let's talk about that. By the way, you'll never hear me use those words. What my philosophy is, Michael, again, you got to be doing this a lot. My philosophy is to ask this, Michael, you and I haven't talked about your business. I would like to invite you to a conversation if you were open to it about your business so I can understand a little bit more about it and where relevant and appropriate, maybe share with you what I do. 
Now, I mix those words up and change them uh, That's all the well time. said, though. So what you've done is you're maintaining the friendship, the relationship, and you're seeking permission when it comes, if it's of interest to them and they want to have that business conversation. And that way, if they say no to it, you still haven't harmed the relationship. Thank them anyway and say, hey, well, if that's ever an, an issue. I like the transition. So you've separated. Well, you, the- you know what happens with that, Michael? Now, I used to use this analogy. I used to use these words. Is this quarter the right time to talk about this? Great, great line. You know, and I don't use that anymore. That's that's too mechanical. I just say, good would line, you though. be open to this conversation now? And I'm fine with no, because there are ah, five or 10 clients that I know of that the answer was initially no. It evolves to the yes. It evolves to the yes. Eventually. Oh, yeah. that's excellent. Let's talk quickly about groups and how important groups. We see groups on there and joining groups, what kind of groups, how to approach a group. Do you have any strategies that we should be employing? Yeah, let's move on to the next conversation. Right, right. Well, here's my point. I don't necessarily need to blame it all on LinkedIn, but groups went to hell in a handbasket. Totally got destroyed when they got overrun because people started showing up in groups and still today they try to do it and don't understand why it's not working. They show up in groups and they barf all over them. They push their content, they hawk their events, they hawk their seminars and nobody cares. Right. And so now- The 805 million plus people, for the most part, don't care about groups. So if you go look at any group, you'll discover that more often than not, if there's any content, there's no engagement. Now, here's the benefit of groups. Maybe becoming less beneficial, but here's the current benefit to groups. There may be members of those groups that are important to you. So if you're using Sales Navigator, You can look in groups. If you can go into a group and you can browse the member list, you can't search it except with Sales Navigator if that's still in there, but you can browse the member list and you can discover someone who's highly relevant to you. Now, here's the value of groups. You can message anybody in a group, even if you're not connected to them. Oh, that's a nice perk. Yeah. So you can message all your group members. You better make sure you're not abusing that or LinkedIn and that group will shut you down. But you can message your group members and invite them to a conversation right then and there through LinkedIn messaging. And then after that conversation, you can invite them to connect and then move them through the rest of the process. If you're reaching out to somebody who's say in that group or even outside of a group and you see that they're connected. So for instance, on Sales Navigator, you can see a company, you can see all the employees within that organization. So let's say I want to meet the CFO and... My target market happens to be VPs of sales, typically sales directors. It's easy to gain access to them. So if I was to reach out to them, I understand where they are and there's no one else I have connected to them, but I want to get to the CFO, but we're maybe in that group. I could maybe leverage the group relationship and say, Hey, found you in the group. We're in this common group. Is this person or the CFO the best person in your organization to handle this or follow your same advice and work on using that as a reference tool or a referral tool? Yeah, I sometimes don't get good results with a cold message, even through a group or through right. an email to say, hey, who's the right person to talk with? Right. Which is, again, why I want that referral even to that person or I want to bump into them through some other content before I start asking for that kind of help, because they don't know me yet. Well, I don't want to introduce you to my CFO. You might be that scammer from that prince that's trying to give me $3 billion, you know? Right, right. (laughs) I'm always hesitant to ask for help of anyone. If you don't know them. If I don't believe I have permission to do that. I think your 
organic growth strategy of connecting, finding someone that can influence that introduction is really the most powerful approach. It's most effective. And you don't need to do so many of them. You just need to make sure you're doing enough to meet your numbers based on the price of the sale of your product or service, right? And it's a never ending project. But once you get good at it and efficient at it, it's easy to do. And you just keep doing it. Well, you're very generous with strategies and tips and tricks, and it's easy to understand. It's easy to comprehend, and we're always happy to recommend your programs. In our show notes, Teddy, in wrapping up, we will make sure that we post all of that information. Are you working on anything exciting that we should be looking forward to as well? So LinkedIn is my core bread and butter and most enjoyable part of the business. The other thing I am building is I'm taking that model, and I am applying that model of teaching LinkedIn as a business tool to Google Workplace and Gmail. I've been using Google Workplace since 2005, Gmail since 1996, I think. Yeah, it was August of 1996. And I've decided that I'm going to start teaching Google Workplace and Gmail as business tools, similarly to how I'm teaching LinkedIn as a business tool. Really? Well, what's the big upside for that? What's the advantage of that versus using some of the other tools that are out there? Well, First of all, the reason why I decided to start teaching that is that there are 1.5 billion Gmail users. Size of the audience, okay. And you Size of the audience for me. Right. I got 806, 805 on LinkedIn, 1.5 billion on, on Google Workplace. Yeah. The other advantage of Google Workplace is the features of collaboration. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can collaborate on documents of all different types globally. You don't need to send emails and Word and Excel documents back and forth like crazy people. And the Google Calendar is so feature rich. Right. Google Drive is so feature rich. Uh, Gmail by itself, the whole platform, and Google has been building this for decades. And it's such a powerful platform. And it's all, it's device agnostic. I can walk away from all of my devices today and start fresh on another device and never lose a minute of data. Well, that's another podcast. And we're going to have to have you back and talk all about that. That's how you raised my interest on that. I know we have all the different tools and we're constantly chasing emails and back and we've started to dabble a little bit with Google Docs and the spreadsheet applications that they have. And it is nice because everybody can collaborate all at the same time and respond to the information. So we'll have you back on that. Teddy, thank you so much for sharing some of your precious time. I know you've got lots of great goodies for us. We're going to have in the show notes links to your sites, also your training sites. And we'd encourage everyone to take advantage of that and start making Sales Navigator and LinkedIn your business tool of choice and help you yeah. build the business and become preferred in the markets you serve. Michael, thanks for having me. Appreciate the conversation, buddy. My pleasure. Thanks very much, Teddy. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My production team is Beth Smith and Kendra Vickers. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting.